You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Knowles Quality Control. I'm your host, Ben Meyerson. This is presented by Tomahawk Nation. Uh, if you're listening to us on an audio platform, on a podcast platform, make sure you go and check us out on video as well because we're over on YouTube, on Twitter, on Tomahawk Nation's Twitter, and then my own YouTube channel, which you can find that Ben Meyerson Football. That's the exact name of the channel. It's easy to find, and if you can't find it there, just go over to Tom Hawk Nation's Twitter. I'm sure you'll be able to track it down. But I'm very, very glad to be joined again by Logan Robinson, founder, owner of Null Game Day. Logan, uh, since we last talked, uh, there's been a lot that's been going on in the FSU football yeah. world. There's a huge recruiting camp that we were both at on Saturday. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, where is this team going? Are they what kind of roster are they building going forward, especially with all these high school recruits and all the noise around them. But uh, how are you doing, Logan? How are you doing right now? Man? Doing, doing fantastic. It was good to catch up with you in town. I know that you just graduated. So back at home now, but it was good for you to come in town and, and we got to hang out and get into the recruiting world, which, you know, you and I are still learning on getting down all these names and such. And so leaning on a few of the other V members and, Helping us out with the recruiting stuff is huge, but uh, it was good good to catch up with you. I thought the show was great last week. Like we said, we could talk about this for hours upon hours, but we try to keep it as compact as possible for everyone, but appreciate everybody that enjoyed the last episode and looking forward to continuing to do this all throughout the off season. And, you know, we'll see if Ben wants to keep me around for when the season begins. Oh, I'm absolutely keeping you around, Logan. Trust me. Trust me. We'll, we'll be good oh. on that. Uh, and, and I was going to say to everyone, I hope, you 
who's ever watching is enjoying this. Uh, Logan and I have built up a really good rapport. We got to spend a lot of time at spring practice. Like you said, you know, we were together at mega camps. Uh, I kind of felt like a stray, like a puppy that day. I was like following you around trying to get information. I was like, Oh, what's who's Logan talking to? What's he talking about? Um, But you know, this time of the year for Florida state uh, it's interesting, right? Because obviously you're, you have your mega camp, you bring in some recruits, you bring in some guys who you want to make a good impression on, or maybe some guys who are already committed and you want to make sure you're holding that relationship. Um, but we'll get to some of that a little bit later. We'll talk about the quarterback position. We'll talk about Chris Parson later. Chris Parson, by the way, not Parsons. That's anyone who's been screwing that up. I saw, you know, Brendan Sinone put out a tweet about it in Parson, uh, I think you quote tweeted was talking a little bit about it. It's it's not that hard, man. I don't know why so many people screw it up. I think I think maybe you know the first time I read his name, Logan, I was like, I feel like I should say Parsons. You know, I think it's just that natural like that inclination you have to end uh, plurals <laughs> with last names. But Chris Parson was in town at Florida State, uh, so we'll certainly talk about him and all the quarterbacks who are moving forward. But I did want to start the show off on a more broad note in talking about Mike Norvell, his future with the Florida State football program, which, Logan, I I want to start off by saying, isn't that secure? Is that fair to say about Mike Norvell? No, I mean, this this is a gigantic year for him, and we've talked about it a lot during those practices saying, you know, this is... Things got to click on all cylinders. It's not only got to click for him; it's got to click for these these um, coaches on the staff. Um, you know, you got talent now, and you know we felt really good about that defense and Adam Fuller. You know, that's a this is a big time year for him. But going to the big man himself, this this has got to be a pivotal year. Where you know, last year you were able to take down one of your rivals. That's great. That's awesome. That was at home. Uh, that was a that was a great win for him and, and trying to create some momentum, maybe get the boosters back on and the groove there. But then you can't go down to Florida and, and lose to an interim head coach and a quarterback that's just kind of throwing to anybody. We could have caught an interception up there in the press box from Emory Jones. So that, that was an embarrassing loss. And that's something where Mike Norvell was on the right track there, I think, with a really great momentum in the latter half of the season, but something fell off there. And that's that's something where you can tell that there's still a little bit of culture change needed, a little bit more maturity that needs to be done. We saw a lot of silly penalties from a few players that game also that hurt them and put them in some really bad spots. And that just continues to show that Mike Norvell has got to do more in the locker room. I think there has been a big change, absolutely. Yeah. But there's still, still more to be done. But he's definitely – this is a pressure – uh, season ahead for him you know it's all about the hot seat right now now that we're in may june july who's on the hot seat which coach is on the hot seat but i do indeed believe absolutely mike Norbell is on a hot seat here heading to the season he's got uh, his veteran now quarterback back you know this will be his true first true first first year going in as the starter he wasn't expected um to you know really you know, is competitive, competing with McKenzie Mellon, yada, yada, yada. But now Jordan Travis is a solidified starter. He's got his quarterback. He's got a defense that I think you're really excited about in the defensive line. You've got a lot of answers. Um, you know, we'll talk about it later. There's definitely some question marks. But this is this is a big, big-time season for the head coach, Mike Norvell. And 
he, he feels good. I think he felt, you know, coming off of it with those interviews, Ben, while we were there, we heard a lot of times, you know, there was maybe one or two practices where, um, you know, wasn't really liking what he saw. He's a coach that won't say that he hated it. We got to do better. That was awful. Blah, blah. He's not, he's not like Jimbo is, but, or how he was in Tallahassee, but, you know, he liked the response from those Thursday practices, those guys coming in and responding. And that's something where you're hoping to see uh, maturity in that locker room grow to be able to bounce back like that. Because, you know, at, at 0-3, that, that terrible start 0-4, that's just uh, – you can't – you just can't do that again. So it's definitely a top – it's definitely a high stress. I don't – I would not want to be in Mike's shoes right now. I no, do not I, want to be in Mike's shoes. I, so I'll keep it at that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in Mike's shoes either. Uh, and, and, you know, looking at – you mentioned the end of the season, right, how they had some momentum. They they beat Miami. They're beating Boston College, I mean, dominantly. Not that Boston College matters as much, but they're building a lot of momentum going into the offseason. And then to end the season like they did, I, I think it was great that you mentioned that because it kind of takes a little bit of the air out of this situation, right? It kind of takes a little bit of that shine that Mike Norvell might have been feeling, right uh, to not be able to qualify for a bowl game when you need that game and you're playing a Florida team who has nothing to play for and has an interim head coach and has a lot of players who are not going to be there next year whether it was going to the league or going to different schools right so this was a it was a roster that was getting ready to turn over and the Seminoles could not beat them so I, I think there's still a lot of things that Mike Norvell needs to do to to get off the hot seat. Um, and I think part of that is not just, you know, winning the games. A lot, a lot of the optimism you'll see around Florida state is talking about how close some of those games were talking about how early in the season they had those opportunities, but Logan in the same sense, they didn't make the most of those opportunities. And there were a lot of times where they, they kind of failed when they were presented with those chances to make the most of it. Um, so I think there's a bit of disappointment there, but just looking along this entire staff, how they built this team up. We'll get into the roster building in a minute more specifically, but look at the development of, of some of their position groups. It's just not good enough, Logan, right? Uh, I think we are – we will praise Alex Atkins to the end of the earth. I, I will. I, I love Alex Atkins. I think he is a great, great head or coach for Florida State. I think he's going to be a great future head coach. I yeah. kind of tipped that off there. but Yeah, yeah. It's gonna I, be, it'll be happening soon. Oh, you yeah, don't, as Florida State fans, you don't want to happen soon, but, but it'll be happening it's happening eventually. sooner rather than later. Um, and I, I guess when you just look at the offensive line positions like wide receiver, tight ends, uh, cornerback, linebacker, there's just a lack of talent and development in some of those positions where they just need to be doing better to get to the status quo, Logan. And I feel like that is the most fair assessment of that is that Mike Norvell needs to do better getting the right people in place. And I know he tried to get a lot different wide receiver coach. They, they tried to change that, but they didn't at the end of the day, Logan. So what do you think of that criticism of Mike Norvell that they haven't built? They've built some of this staff up, right? Odell Haggins, Alex Atkins, uh, Tony Tokars. I, I really like as a quarterback coach, but then you look across the whole team, you look at all the positions and it's not as balanced as you would hope. Yeah, I think Mike Norvell was trying to do a lot of things, a lot of calls, and, and inside that admin looking to 
you know, maybe make some changes on the staff. And I think that's something that Mike Norvell, he's, he's good with that. He's worked with a lot of these talented assistant coaches that are off doing fantastic things for other, for other programs. And, you know, I think money comes into it and it's a hard thing for Florida state kind of currently, I think things are more optimistic than they may be monetarily wise in the budget. You know, I think Florida state and some fans and maybe the outside, uh, you know, kind of community on Twitter and stuff kind of freak out and say, you know, Florida state doesn't have the money to do this. They can't, they don't have, they can't go grab somebody from somewhere and they can't grab this coach because, you know, the money's going to be the problem, but it seems like some things are shifting definitely with, Florida State's new athletic director, Michael Alford, you know, you can tell that they're trying to make some moves in a lot of different ways and budgeting and things are changing between all the sports and stuff. And it seems like there's football a lot of focus is, towards Football is a priority. That's what I was about to say, Logan. As much as it was a priority in the past, it is the priority now for the athletic office. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, I, I think, if, you know, once we start diving into some of these positions, you know, I absolutely hate uh, what is going on in the tight end room for Florida state. And, you know, you look at the coaching too, and if that affects it in any way, shape or form, and this also goes into with college, what's college football, you know, you, you got to be a good coach, but you also got to be a, you got to be a recruiter. You, you got to bring in guys that, you know, can kind of already have the talent. Definitely. If we're talking tight end here, you know, Cam McDonald's been on this team for 16 years. So, I mean, and that's about all you've had really. I mean, if you go back to maybe Ryan Izzo, um, you know, you only had <clears throat> what that's, that's practically, I'm trying to think back, but that's practically your most product past guy that was productive. Yeah. I mean, you. unless you want to go back to the Jameis era, you know, <laughs> and talk about, well, Nick then we're going, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you want to talk about the Nick man Nick who uh, survived a bus and actually, well, I, sh- yeah. I shouldn't say survived. He took the bus full head on, you know, but, um, no, I look. I think, I think the roster building, there's just a lack of it at certain positions, right? So we were kind of going about this question in a roundabout way, but let me just ask you directly, Logan. Is Norvell doing a good enough job building up this roster in the transfer portal through high school recruiting to secure his future at Florida State? I think he's doing as much as he can with eight wins in two years. I think that's... That's kind of the situation that we're at. I think he's kind of hit – I think he's literally hit his limit of his ceiling of how far he can go with – this is just staying stuck with the eight wins. You know, if he can go to now – you get eight wins this next year, you see a whole – you no. see a whole 180, and that helps him a whole lot more in that regard. Um, just, just for specifically staying here, I, I, I think that – you know, he's kind of surprised us and maybe the staff alone has kind of surprised us with how well they've done on the recruiting side. I think they've made some good inside changes. They've made a lot of great additions. Um, you know, I think Florida State's new addition uh, off field, uh, Derek uh, Ray has been a really nice, really nice addition, not only for transfer portal, but for recruiting, just management overall. That's something that Mike Norvell is trying to build a whole like a whole another staff on the outside of the field that you see at other SEC schools that help a ton like Alabama. You know, there's a whole, whole another staff that takes care of everything off the field that Michael Alford is working with Mike Norbell and the administration to help support this program and get it back to where it needs to be. 
I just have, you know, right now, and, I, and I'm getting this from recruits and, and what we're hearing. I just think they're now looking for wins. You know, Mike Norvell does great with families. He's talking with moms and dads. He's doing a great job recruiting. You know, he's able to land at that time the number one player in the country, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so that's a whole other different discussion. But that he, he had that guy locked down. And I think there's a lot of other guys that put Florida State and the top three, top two, that usually in years past, that they were never going to make the top five, top ten. But, you know, they were now guys with top-tier talent. We're talking elite prospects in the country that are putting Florida State almost at their number two if they weren't able to go. I mean, you look at Marius Mims coming to visit. You know, that seems like Florida State's definitely between Georgia and FSU there. You know, you don't, you don't usually see that a ton. And that helps with Alex Atkins being on the staff. But he – this is – I, I just think he's kind of hit his max here. And I think he knows that too. And now it's just all about winning. You know, you don't, you want to stress so much about recruiting and doing all this once you are able to make past the bowl game and bring in eight wins, even, even seven wins for some of these guys, they see the, the uphill climb, like Mike Norvell says, the climb is what's going to bring them some of these, these success on, on the field and definitely in the recruiting room, which is essential in college football. I, I think they've done a, a good job building this roster. I think you hit some of the really great points that they are maxing out, you know, kind of what's given to them, right, what they're dealing with. But also, I think when you look at team building overall, just the way college football is going, the way offenses are being built now to be very successful, I think it's fair to say that they've failed to attack the perimeter in the way other schools have, right? I, just look at some of the top offenses you know, whether it's in the SEC um, or just look at those final four finishers in the college football playoff every single year, they have great perimeter players, uh, great wide receivers, great playmakers. And I guess for me, when you look at Mike Norrell's tenure so far, having the lack of playmakers, you know, that's the real failure I see so far because you can have a dominant running game in college football, you can dominate on the ground. You, you can build a really good game, you know, through through that. But you also need to be able to take advantage of corners. You need to be take. You need to take advantage of stretching the field. Just uh, as as Mike Norvell's offense goes, he needs those players who can stretch the field out, who can uh, just you know get after defenders and. I think the issue for me overall is that, you know, they're building some parts of it, right? Logan, the run game is really good. The offensive line is improving in the way that I think we all think they should improve. They're heading in the right direction. We all believe in Alex Atkins, right? But there's just certain spots where they haven't done a good enough job and they really haven't improved drastically, especially that receiver position. So I think for me, you're right. You know, they are maximizing, I think, what's given to them in a sense, but also they just haven't done a good enough job attracting wide receiver talent, you know, attracting playmakers, because uh, just with the way offenses are going now, you need to have those elite upper and top tier playmakers. And this year, I mean, their best wide receiver might be Micah Pittman, right? Ontario Wilson, maybe Malik McLean. I just think they haven't done a good enough job creating a balanced offense and, and supporting all of their players because you'll see a lot of the Florida State fans media have the opinion where they're highly critical of Jordan Travis, 
But then these are the same people that will tell you they can't recruit a damn wide receiver. So which one is it? Because for me, if you're not giving Jordan Travis the the support along the perimeter, how is he going to make the most of those opportunities? And I guess that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the roster building. You know, obviously, I still think they should be better at positions like corner, right? Linebacker, some things, but specifically that wide receiver position, there's just been a failure there. And it's really disappointing because I feel like, you know, with how good this run game is, if they just had average perimeter play, this offense would be a lot better. Yeah, no, we definitely discussed a lot of that. You and I on the sidelines inside that IPF for numerous hours, being able to watch that wide receiver room and the transfer portal helped it a ton, Ben. I mean, it was not going to look pretty for next season. And we saw that immediately Florida state goes after those transfer wide receivers. And uh, that, that was a big, that's a big time when you're bringing in that many guys in your room with four, four wide receivers. That, that means that something went really bad last season. And I think too, you've got guys, like you said, you don't have a true, true, true playmaker. You were supposed to have a true playmaker with Dustin Hill. That did not work out whatsoever. You know, you're looking at him to potentially contribute at least a little bit last year. If things went well, was able to get in and come to uh, an early part of his career at Florida State. And sadly, that didn't work out. We'll see what happens this upcoming season. But, you know, that, they, didn't, they didn't have anybody to stretch the field. You had a true freshman, you know, who I think really highly of, Malik McLean, that I think is probably your most polished guy. And Jordan Travis really likes him. But, you know, you're now going to start relying on guys that have, have not even played a snap with Jordan Travis on a collegiate actual competition. And that's what you're relying on whenever you're going to go – face uh, LSU, a talented SEC team. You're going to you're gonna rely on what you did building that chemistry with those wide receivers, and you're really risking it for a biscuit here. Um, you know, you've got, you've got veterans there, but you can have veterans all you want and such, but there, there's not much – the ceiling has been hit. The ceiling was hit a year ago with, I think, a lot of these guys that have been on the team. And, you know, you still got Keyshawn Helen and Terry Wilson, those guys I feel like – have been on the team for forever. You know, we saw a strong spring from Portier, but, you know, not a lot, not a whole lot of ton PT uh, on actual um, college uh, games. You know, that's something that is going to hurt you a little bit. You're, you're relying a lot on what is what happened in the spring. But, yeah, the, the wide receiver room, and that all goes down back to recruiting. And, you know, Ron Dugans, I think this is by far, you know, a hot seat. If it's number one on, on the sheet here, it's got to be, Dugans and what happened and mishaps during the recruiting cycle at the end of it and losing a playmaker. And I think it's a, it's a rough, it's a rough go around. It's just gotta be, it's gotta be switched definitely in the, in the wide receiver area, but you know, I, I you gotta thank God for the transfer portal for my yeah, Bell. Yeah, no, and they have done a good job supplementing the wide receiver position, right? I don't think they've done a great enough job where those guys are going to be taking them over to the top um, because even some of those players you look like Deuce Span, Johnny Wilson, right? Those are more developmental guys for this season. They don't seem like – like I, you'll get some impact, I believe, from Johnny Wilson this year. I, I think you're going to get – especially towards the end of the season, the more that progresses – uh, the more reps he gets, I think he'll look better and better. But you know, then I, I want to go to the comments. Uh, Tommy was asking us, you know, where and when are you guys thinking Winston Wright plays a part in the 2022 season? That's the big question I think a lot of us are asking. Logan, we, we saw him, 
I believe Saturday. Is that correct? I I, I don't want to, you know, go overboard with what we can and can't talk about, but we saw Winston mm-hmm. Wright in Tallahassee on Saturday. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure if I did see him, but I did see a video of him on okay. Corey Fuller's Twitter of him coming back from what it seemed like an outdoor workout. Um, he was a lot of them were jogging in, but we saw him walking by. I didn't see really anything on him. Um, but hey, that, that was a public video. We're not over here reporting on anything yeah. injury wise, but Corey Fuller. For uh, Florida State's recruiting tool on the off-field, one of the off-field hires that Mike Norvell made this past off-season or this off-season, um, that that's definitely a guy that you hope to have back, good to go. You know, you, you're just thankful that he, you know, went through that that wreck and and nothing crazy severe, uh, you know, happened. We you know uh, seems like recovery is going very well from what we heard and just things that we're we're, we're seeing. But that's a guy that you were hoping to be an essential guy. And I, you know what, I'd be honest with everyone. Um, You know, I I really think this spring was going to be big for Winston, right? And I think it's big for building chemistry with your quarterbacks. And 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 I'll I'll be honest, I'm still kind of scarred from Andrew Parchment from last year because I thought that was, I think, a lot of Florida State fans – we're thinking he'd come in, you know, he'd be that wide receiver one and just be a really good threat against those defenses. And he had his moments, absolutely. He had his moments, but he also had a lot of mishaps and you could tell that the chemistry with the quarterback room just wasn't there at times. And so that's why I'm not. And even then, Logan, I mean, Parchment, sorry to cut you off, but he was the leading receiver for Florida State last season. So you're talking about a guy that you weren't even particularly impressed by who led the team in yards and receptions. Um, And then one thing I saw that over Mike Norvell's tenure, only two pass catchers getting more than 300 receiving yards in a season. So um, it's just a weakness. Um, I think only one player, you know, got more than two touchdowns receiving. So look, I I think this isn't in a good place right now. You mentioned a guy like Parchment. I, I don't even feel like we've seen that kind of impact this spring. We haven't seen a guy like that, right, who who we believe can be that wide receiver. One guy, I think right now, to be honest, they're just patching it together. They're going to be going game to game, situation to situation. I think Micah Pittman is awesome, but Micah Pittman is really great if you have the other supporting cast around him to fit those other roles. And I just don't know if they're going to have those guys, but – you know, even if you see flashes of those guys, they aren't going to be consistent enough throughout the season to make a huge difference, in my opinion. You'll get spurts, and I think it will improve. But I I think the overall point of this conversation, Logan, is they just have not done a good enough job recruiting the wide receiver position. They need to get those top-end guys, if not the top-end guys, you know, damn near close to it because they don't even really have those type of players right now. Yeah, no, I'm right. I'm right there with you and just like tommy like tommy is saying uh here in the comments you definitely see that you know winston wright is still recovering from that injury you got to see how much reps he can get this upcoming camp you know will be in attendance to see everything and you know what we can and can report on but you know if he's a full go you know we can talk about it you know he wasn't even at the beginning of spring you know he was limited to start and didn't get to see him be a full go and I think that was already kind of question marking, you know, about him for me. You know, he's definitely impressive to see in size and in person. And you can, I just want to see the speed and the factory has, but I, I just not a, 
I've never been a fan of, you know, trying to come in immediately, definitely missing out a, a spring like that. And then definitely going through, you know, what he went through with the, with the car wreck that was reported that, that just kind of, kind of brings back my expectations for what he will bring production wise for Florida state this upcoming season. You know, I will say Johnny Wilson surprised me a whole ton. I wasn't expecting him to do what he did this spring. I think the biggest thing from what I learned from him, the boy can make plays. He can play all over the field. He's hard to beat in one-on-ones. He's faster than we thought, but it's all going to come down to consistency and, when it comes down to a game and that was just a spring game. And I didn't like the consistency from what I saw from Johnny Wilson. I want to see a change there from him because, you know, we, we talked a lot about him. I was tweeting about him quite a bit this spring and it was all real stuff. You know, uh, he was making some serious plays back to back to back and he looked really impressive, but inconsistent. You know, it's something that he was kind of dealing with at Arizona state. He's got to come down with the ball. He did it all throughout the camp with practices and such, but I, you know, that I was disappointing to see in the spring game. So I, I would feel a lot more better. I would, if, if Johnny Wilson would have caught those couple catches in the spring game, I'd be talking Johnny Wilson, Johnny Wilson. <laughs> he's early in the rotation. He could be a starter, yada, 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 but it all comes down with a wide receiver catch. You got to catch that damn ball. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's my take there on the rest of the wide receiver room. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And like you, you know, Johnny Wilson, just think about this room in general. There's a lot of, you know, high ceiling, low floor guys, right? The, the, especially at the top, you're looking at your Malik McLean's, uh, you know, Johnny Wilson, obviously. Uh, I, I just think they'll be better than they were, you know, these last two years, right? I think it will be an improved position. But I don't know if it's still going to be quite enough right, to support Jordan Travis and the kind of a quarterback I expect him to be. Because I, I think Jordan Travis has taken a lot of strides as a passer uh, in the pocket. Just his ability to be a true pocket passer, I think he's improved in leaps and bounds by that from last season, from what we've seen of him. Um, but, again, I just don't know if they're going to have the players to support him. And a guy like Johnny Wilson, right, you mentioned he had nice moments in spring. He had a lot of great moments, but there, there were also the ups and downs, right? And, and it's just a part of it with that receiving group overall. Um, just ups and downs with this with this receiver room. Even Micah Pittman, who I feel like we all you know came out of the spring feeling like he's the most consistent guy out of all the guys they have. Uh, we even saw some inconsistency from him on a practice-to-practice basis, right? So for as much as we saw from this receiver group, I think there will be flashes, but at the same time, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster where some games against certain teams who have, you have favorable matchups against, they're going to look really good. They'll look better than they were. But then I think they're also going to come back down to earth in you know games against teams like LSU, Florida, um, and some of their harder matchups throughout the season. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of end, end that conversation there. We, we talked a lot about wide receivers, but I think we can both agree, Logan, that Mike Norvell has not done anything to absolutely secure his future. I, I think it, even if, if you were coming off that record and this roster looks a lot better and they were in the same situation where they lost so many close games, we wouldn't be quite having these conversations right now because I think we'd give them the opportunity to, you know, see what those players are, see how those recruits play out. But, fact is is just 
they haven't made those splash names you know they haven't gotten those in the recruiting classes they they haven't improved at the positions drastically where they absolutely need to improve they've found replacements they found players in the transfer portal but again i think we can kind of both agree those guys probably aren't quite enough to really secure mike's future with the team you're muted Okay. Pulling up the YouTube page over here on the other side of the monitor. So I had to make sure I hit the like button on the page. I had to make sure I hit the like button on the YouTube uh, video. Hey, hey, of course. And for everyone hanging out, I appreciate it. I, I think we got 12, 13 people right now watching us live. Uh, go like the channels, uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Make sure you're checking out all the uh, stuff that Logan, uh, Dustin are doing over at Null Games. They, they're doing a lot of great work over there. Um, it's going to be a, really interesting throughout the summer as well. I have, a, I have an article on Tomahawk Nation all about Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent. So check that out after the video, right afterwards, because we're going to keep talking a lot more Florida State football. And, you know, I, I want to talk about the guy who um, has kind of been in a news cycle a lot recently, who is getting Florida State fans nervous, Logan. Obviously, you know, I want to preface this by saying that you have been able to build a relationship with Chris Parson. No game day has. You guys have been doing a series with him. Uh, you guys have had a lot of interactions with him and his family. But, you know, taking an outside perspective at it, just kind of seeing all the, you know, things we've seen, you know, actions speak louder than words. We've, we've seen a lot of people talking, but we've also seen a lot of people put offers out and Florida State put other offers out and make different moves Um is it time for fans to start worrying about the Chris Parson commitment? I think there was definitely, I think it was great to have Parson in attendance for that elite camp. Um, it also made me feel just a little bit better, you know, from what I was hearing, you know, Parson, you know, didn't really want to talk to media. You know, he kind of went through a rough time there about, you know, he was competing at the elite 11 regionals up there in Nashville um, Dustin was in there in attendance and, you know, you know, what, from what he saw from him, Parson looked really good. You know, he pulled a hamstring early on in the 40 before they were able to do their field workouts and really put, you know, kind of, kind of hurt him a little bit, um, just both physically, of course, but mentally and it brought him back. And there was a lot of really good quarterbacks. I believe five, five or six got invited to the actual elite 11 finals out of that camp. And that's now including, you know, Parson being able to retrieve one of those. But at that time he didn't come away with an invite. And so he, you know, he was pissed and he didn't like, you know, that, you know, and just something happens like that where you hurt, you get hurt early on and kind of limits you that going on. And then, you know, Florida state, you know, is had communication with Parson, letting him know that he, they were indeed offering two more quarterbacks in his class. All of that kind of combined together, kind of put his mental state, I believe, in, in a kind of in a, in a tough spot. And it's understandable. You know, these are young young men, and still kind of learning. You've got media every left and right, and just everywhere contacting you, just wanting to get a comment on you know everything you know what do, what do you feel like about Florida State offering these other quarterbacks and you got Florida State's fan base which let's be honest can be extremely irritating at times um and those for and that's just kind of what comes with the territory nowadays a lot of these fans care a ton about this football program and they want to get it back on track but you know I, I think 
Florida State fans, if you're if you want to kind of get aggravated at something, you can maybe try to get aggravated at this staff. You do not want to lose Chris Parson. This is a very talented kid. He has a lot of close connections and has built has helped kind of build a little bit of this class. Um, I think some of when we when we saw him and being able to spend some time with family, I, I feel I feel better than how I was before going in. You know, I had a few question marks and, and how Parson would be and would he be distant from any of the staff and such. And we saw firsthand, you know, Mike Norbell and Chris Parson communicative all throughout the camp. You saw Parson going and hugging and dapping up and you know, rooting for a lot of the current commits, him connecting pretty well with Camden Fryer a few times, uh, you know, him going over and making sure routes are being uh, ran well. And like I said, Norbell and him were in really close contact throughout that entire day. And Parsons stayed one of the long, stayed for about the longest out of any recruit in that IPF that night after the camp. So like I said, I feel a lot better than how I was going into it. It was good to catch up with the family and such. And, you know, we, we talked about it in the production meeting. He does have that visit lined up for this weekend with Mississippi State. From what I was told, you know, this is entirely, you know, kind of because his dad went there, graduated from Mississippi State. And I and I think now it's kind of gotten to the recruitment time where you're, you're locked into a place, but you also do want to take the advantages of, being spoiled and, you know, being able to travel, take the free travel trips and go check out these other colleges, but he will not be throwing. He will not be working out in front of these coaches. I think that's definitely worth noting. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't heard anything yet if there is expected to be more visits uh, entailed, but you know, the tweets about the offers going out from SMU um, getting uh, the other offers, those are all kind of, near him too so living in the area kind of added on to him putting those offers out um and so i I got i got a lot of answers from that weekend from him um i'm not entirely i know we talked about it last week but i was like yeah there's definitely some question marks i've got some question marks those have been answered so i feel a little bit better i might not be able to answer the question down below and and the uh, scroller i don't feel too too worried right now um you know, Florida State's got two quarterbacks, though, taking official visits, I believe, this upcoming weekend. So we'll see what ends up happening. But from what I've been told, and it's been that way since since day one, you know, Chris Parson is not scared of competition. He's not scared of it, um, you know. And I think I think for Parson, too, I think he trains very well. He's a guy that you know, gets up so early, trains 4.35 a.m., goes out and does all that and works out with other quarterbacks. I just don't see, too, if I were just free from from – me thinking I just don't think he'd shy away from having another quarterback come in and I I seriously do think Florida State fans if you're if you're you know trying to push away a kid that the staff really likes and coach Tokar really likes I think that's a really bad decision you know Florida State fans are gonna do what they want they'll be silly on Twitter but this is a kid that you most certainly want to keep uh, in in the fold I think you made a lot of great points there, Logan. And obviously you do have that connection uh, with the family. You've been talking a lot with them throughout this whole process. Um, So, you know, I know you've been getting a lot of uh, information, you know, talking a lot with them, but, you know, from I'll I'll give you the fans perspective for a second. And maybe, you know, we can't answer the question of should fans be really, really worried right now because we just don't know what's going to happen moving forward. We can't predict the future, but, 
the question I think, you know, looking from an outside perspective is, is the staff doing too much in terms of going after the quarterbacks they are? Are, are they playing with fire a little bit too much where they might find themselves at the end of this with no quarterback commitment? I, to me, that's the bigger worry overall. There's a little minutia of, right, you know, the competition between some guys uh, offering, you know, the Glennon Collins and, and then Parsons putting out those co- commit or those offers that he got right afterwards. Obviously, you know, that raises some flags and as they should. Right. But is the staff going about this the right way, in your opinion, or are they kind of just playing with fire? It's 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 it, all right. Let's say it's it's. I don't think it's even risky. It's almost a must need at this point. Okay. If you're looking now at the quarterback room, Ben, it's something that needs to be done. And, you know, that you is hope fair. That, I'll say that that's very fair. This is not the deepest quarterback room. Yeah. I will, I will say this is something that just has to friggin' happen kind of thing here because you and I saw both multiple times that I don't feel good about the quarterback room going in the next season. I don't think a lot of people do, you know, we get to kind of see it firsthand and I'm, trying to give it as about as real as it gets. I do not like that room right now behind Jordan Travis. There's got to be some additions here. I want to see more competition from true talent coming in. And that's why you want to have a Chris Parson come in with one of these other quarterbacks. I'd love for Chris Parson to come in with a Brocklin. I'd love for Chris Parson to come in with Ricky Collins. Um, Even if it were to not, you know, I I still think Parson is up in that high caliber of talent you know, you, you want to have at least two quarterbacks come into this situation, no matter out of if it is one of those three, you got to have tried, got to try to bring in two quarterbacks, Ben, because it, it's what's needed. And the communications on point here with letting Parson know about these two guys, Ricky Collins, a talented quarterback that's committed to Purdue and Brock Lynn, who we talked about earlier has an offer now from Ohio state that's starting to kind of heat up his recruitment a little bit more, but those guys will be in attendance at Florida state and will hopefully get some quotes from them after their visits, but it's something that has to happen. And, you know, I know nowadays quarterbacks like to go in and maybe not want to compete, but you know, or they want to be the solidified guy in that class coming in, but this is the state that Florida state is in. And, you know, Mike Norvell and coach Tokars can't be nice about it. You got to bring in a handful or at least two quarterbacks in this class, in my opinion, and two that, you know, can really do fit your system pretty well that it seems like both of those quarters, definitely Brock Glenn, he hasn't even, you know, hasn't committed anywhere. You've got Ricky committed to, Purdue, but that doesn't seem like that's really much of a lock right now. So those two guys you can fit into your system, you know, added with Chris Parson, that's what you need, Ben. That's exactly what you need. So it's a must need type of thing for Mike and, and Tokars and they're doing it. They're, they're having to do it. Yeah. And I guess that's just part of the whole quarterback uh, landscape right now is you have to take those risks right and trying to get multiple guys in the same class uh given the state of this room i mean you're right they did not impress in the spring behind jordan travis in fact uh my i got even more and more worried and i was a little disappointed by what i'd seen from those two guys uh behind jordan so yeah they the team absolutely needs to find a way to secure 
the competitive future at quarterback, right? I, I just having that one starter in place isn't enough anymore, or having one guy who can compete for that spot isn't enough. Um, you'd much rather be in a situation where you have to tell a kid to transfer, right? Where you're like, hey, you know, we let you two compete, let you guys duke it out. You didn't win. We're going to give you the opportunity to move on. That's a much better position to be in than the one Florida State is in right now. Um, so we'll see. Time will tell if they have made the right decision in this quarterback room, if they're going about this the right way. Um, but these next few months, uh, this next month really, is really going to be interesting to see how all that plays out because I believe we know uh, that uh, Collins – and or is it Glenn, I'm sorry, said he wanted to make his commitment by the end of the month or near the end of the month, right? Yeah, no, he wants to make it by this month, I believe, in June. So the thing, like you said, things are going to start getting really interesting. I'm all about it. You know, we're here. We're here to cover. We're here for to kind of entertain the fans a little bit and have these discussions. So I'm all for it. It's been it was a boring ass. It was a boring ass May for me, and then definitely on the FSU side. I'm down to heat some things up. We've got camps going on. We got visits. We got quarterback, whatever you want to call it, drama or whatever. But I, I think. I think Florida State's what what they're doing at least on on their on the staff wise. I like what they're doing, but you you got to try to keep you got to try to keep Parson in the fold, and that's that's something that um, we'll see if Florida State can do. But you know, with these official visits coming in with these two guys, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good stuff for uh, good stuff for some coverage. Yeah, and I would I do want to go over to the comment section over here. Serve five said. It seems like young players don't have great confidence in themselves and are afraid of competition where they just don't want the competition. Uh, they should understand, though, he's saying that we need a lot of players, starters and backups. And, and I think that's a super fair point. Um, I, I don't know if if they're lacking the confidence or they're afraid of competition, but I do think there's that sense of, you know, some guys, like you said, they just want to go in and be that guy of the class. But I don't think that's the case with some of the recruits that we're talking about. Like you said, with Chris Parson, he is not afraid of competition. That's not why this decision is might be wavering at Florida State if it is, right? It'd be because of other reasons, I think. Honestly, more about the future of the head coach. How much longer is he going to be there? That, to me, would be more worrying than, you know, competition at the other positions. But it is a very delicate thing that you have to play these days, Logan, with the way recruiting is just with the way these kids are. Um, I think the Seminoles have done a good enough job though, in that they're very communicative with their guys, right? We know exactly uh, what's going on. Uh, And yeah, we'll see how it it does play out for the staff. Um, Only time will tell though, but I appreciate the comments or five. And Logan, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, and we kind of touched on this last time we talked, but, you know, looking deeper at this position, you know, defensive end, uh, Florida State was so dominant there last season. I, I mean, to say that the Seminoles were very good there last season would be understating. They had two players combined for 90 pressures with Kier Thomas, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, they were just completely dominant off the edge, but you know, they've kind of, they brought in some new guys, they brought in Jared first, but they're also giving an opportunity to a lot of young guys, right. Who were behind here and Jermaine um, to get more snaps, to get more pass rush snaps. But, you know, how 
big will that drop off be? And are you worried about them losing these two guys? So I've been I've been very impressed since watching spring with the defensive ends and on the defensive line, I think is, you know, that's the strongest, at least the interior is going to be the strongest unit going into this season for FSU. But defensive end is definitely one of the biggest question marks going into this spring. You know, I wanted to see how Derek McLendon looked now that he gets the outright opportunity to be a starter there on that defensive end spot and he's worked on his body I mean if you guys were to see him in person he's really really trimmed down from what he used to look like wearing that number 55 when he was in that interior defensive line he's been working on his on his body and I think he's continuing to do that um, you know he, he's thinned up and he's lot, gotten a lot faster he's always been kind of uh, maybe make the play on the field and be a leader type you know rather show you than talk and that's something that, you know, Florida State would like to have after losing a, a guy like here, Thomas, on that side, and you had Jermaine Johnson. Um, I'll be honest, I, I I think Jared Verse might end up being the, the star for Florida State's defense this upcoming season. I know we, we talked very highly about that interior D-line. You've got the safeties, too, with Jamie, and I know you're excited about Jamie um, and definitely Akeem Dent. But from what we saw and how quickly Jared Verse came in to impact – that entire offensive line and what he was doing to some of those players, which was absolutely silliness and shouldn't be fair for how young he is and how, you know, short of a time he's been in Florida state Garnet and gold uniform. That's just, that just kind of goes to show me that we've got, I think fans are going to absolutely love, love what they see from number five. And if he can fit anywhere close to kind of what Akir or, or Jermaine Johnson did last year, that would be great because I'd give you one of them. You know, you don't know if you have another one on the other side at the tandem like you had with Thomas and Jermaine uh, Johnson last year. But I, 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 I was I was already pretty high on, on Jared Burst coming in. There was a reason why there were so many schools immediately blowing up his phone with texts, calls, emails. And, you know, Tennessee really pushing hard there at the end to grab him, but ends up picking Florida State. He's got a lot of pressure on him, and he talked about that with us on one of our shows, but he said he loves it, you know, and he he's, he's expects that. And he – that was something interesting. He could have answered and said, you know, I, I know there's pressure on me, but, you know, I'm just hoping I can get to that level. He said, I'm, I'm ready for it. I like that pressure. And it went to show I kind of already kind of had a feeling he kind of had a competitive drive to him. But then when we saw him in person and the trash talker, the blowing up plays in the run game and definitely the pass rush of having back-to-back sacks and red zone drills and team. This is, this is, this, this has, I mean, we haven't even seen him play a, a snap here in Tallahassee at FSU, but if you want to talk a mo- talk a monster from the spring, that was number five, Jared Verse. And I like that. I don't like though behind Jared Verse. I mean, I, I, I think there's definitely, there's potential there for Pat Payton, but after that, I'm kind of a little worrisome. You know, we saw little things from Byron Turner. Um, I want to see more from him, but I do think it kind of sucks though, that you lost Quashawn Fuller depth wise. Um, I do think that really, really did stink. Obviously, the staff really liked to have McLendon over Quashawn Fuller, um, who ended up going to Maryland and transferring, which will most likely get a lot of playing time, if not being the starter over there. But um, after that, you know, you're, you're kind of 
limiting yourself if one of those guys were to go down. Um, I like what we saw from Pat Payton. I thought he was one of the most improved from his freshman year with his body type and his physicality and what we were hearing during the scrimmages. But right now, I think you've got one of those spots. You've got you've got another cure, Jermaine, and I think that's Jared Verse. I want to see a little bit more from Derek McLennan, but I think people people kind of sleep on him a little bit. Yeah, I just think kind of Verse took over our eyes a little bit just because how dominant he was. But you can't sleep on McLennan on the other side either. No, um, I, I will say I'll disagree with you a little bit in the sense that you know I don't think they have the best depth along this defensive line. But I think as a whole, when you put this group together, they're going to have waves of pass rushers that they can throw at teams, right? And also, a lot of that is going to be because they move those guys all around the defensive line and they're comfortable moving those guys to different positions. You know, obviously, you're going to have your Fox defensive end playing that key role. It's going to be Jared Verse a lot of the time. If not, it's going to be Derek McClendon. Um, but and if you look at the top players who finished with the most pressures for Florida State last season – Two of them are gone, right? Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson, but the other five are returning, right? Two of those guys, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper. I think they're going to be a really, really good this season. Obviously, we expect a lot from those guys, but I think as pass rushers too, we're going to see them be even better than they were in the past. And I am a believer in Derek McClendon. I really think, you know, while Jared Verse will probably be that standalone guy, to me, the gap between McClendon and Verse is a lot closer than um, most people would believe. So I, I really believe, I guess, when you look at this team and, and the depth that they're bringing, because I, I think, you know, once you get late into the season, once you deal with injuries, once you going game after game after game, having the wave of pass rushers that you can bring in, um, I think they're going to be really successful in that sense where, you know, the group overall does very well. I don't think they'll be able to quite replace the production they were getting last season. But Logan, they were getting the best pass rush in the ACC last year. So even if that's brought down a little bit, right, if they're not the best, I still think this is top three, top five uh, defense in the conference in terms of getting after the passer, in terms of getting sacks, getting pressures, creating havoc. Um, and to me, that's that's where this defense will be successful, creating havoc, you know. Uh, being disruptive, uh, doing all those things. So I, I think starts at the defensive line, they won't be as good at edge. Obviously, you just can't. I mean, to have that kind of expectation is just super unrealistic. But what they can do is is get creative, find enough ways to use, you know, their linebackers, their safeties, you know, uh, use more of those green dog blitzes that we see Adam Fuller use sometimes. I, I, I think they'll be a lot better this season, but I still think that drop off is going to be major. To me, the key for this defense, Logan, is are how many takeaways are they going to be getting this season? Right? If you look at takeaways from season to season, they were they were fairly good last season. They produced a lot of takeaways, but there are also a lot of opportunities left out there by guys like Akeem. Right? Akeem Dent himself talked about it in his interviews that he, he should have made more plays. We saw in the spring him making those plays finally. Um, so I, I think. The coverage being better on the back end will help out, you know, this defensive front for Florida State. But at the same time, they're just not going to be what they were in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I forgot to mention to Dennis Briggs, um, you know, he was That's limited during the spring. 
he was limited during the spring. Didn't get to see a whole lot from him. I think he's still working on his body a little bit more. I think I'm expecting that to happen because I think he's still almost a hybrid between an interior guy and a defensive end. I don't think he's as fast and twitchy as a guy like a, a burst or definitely Derek McLennan. Yeah. Those are your two speedy guys off the edge. He's kind of right in between there. And I'm interested to see how Florida State and Odell Higgins use him. But he is a veteran that looked really good before he got hurt. Um, and definitely whenever he came back the year prior from the COVID and exempted, you know, decided to stay out, season came in and came in in shape. So if things work out well and he recovers well and works on his body, I'm not too worried about him. And I think he'll be a really good a good player and, you know, could com- com- maybe compete there with Derek McLennan on that. Mc- Derek McLennan on that other side. But for takeaways, you know, that that's all going to come down to, I believe, the – bull rush and the nastiness between those two Lovett and Cooper from the inside. That's going to probably disrupt a lot of things. And they did that against Miami, absolutely hurting there on the inside. And that allowed, you know, that allowed what Kier and also Jermaine Johnson just to kind of do whatever the F they wanted to do yeah. and get back there and go to Tyler Van Dyke and just toss him around like a rag doll. You know, that's something. Hey, that by the way, Logan, inside. You can say whatever they want. They were fucking getting oh, this- after Tyler. Van <laughs> I mean, they're absolutely like, like the pressure they were getting yeah. um, was really important. And I think that's where they find their success this season, right? Is that interior of that defensive line is going to be the strength of this defense, let alone mm-hmm. just that the line overall. So having those guys be disruptive, be those playmakers in both the run and the pass, I, I think, you know, they'll be, they'll both be better this season. And I think that's going to raise the room and the ability overall, this team to pass rush to, to run and the run defense and run fitting. So I, I do have really high expectations, right? I still think this will be one of the better defensive lines in the ACC. This will be better. One of the better pass rushers, but I think this is all to kind of say, you still cannot replace what they had last season, even though they'll still be very good. Yeah. No, I'm agreeing that that'll allow for more takeaways and King Dent had a really good spring. And I think Minor Bell said he might've been the most impressed out of him on the defensive side of the ball. And we yeah. saw two scrimmages Didn't get to see him actually, because Mike won't let us see that, but I'm not, I'm not complaining too much. He did let us see inside Doug for the red zone kind of scrimmage there for us at the end of the spring. So I won't complain too much, but you know, from what we heard, from sources, you know, Akeem Den looked really, really, really good and to, had takeaways. We got to see it firsthand too in those practices. And that's a veteran guy, Ben, that has, you know, kind of had a inconsistent career. Florida State started off strong and kind of fell down and then dealt with injuries. And now it's starting to see a rise. Yeah. Takeaway well, he's paid his dues, man. Works. You know, he's mm-hmm. paid his dues. Uh, and I think what we saw at the end of the year, Logan, was – when he was next to Jamie, I mean, those two together were just elite. Uh, I don't think really they have weaknesses, right? I think you can point to things you might want Jamie or Akeem to do slightly better, but I think those guys are average or above average or elite in almost every single skill set you would want as a safety. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy like Akeem making such a big leap in the spring. I want to talk about players in 2022. Obviously, you know, we've been in had the pleasure of getting to see the, the practices uh, obviously, like you said, not the scrimmages, but you know, we we've seen how these players have been performing where they've improved that since the fall. But for you, is there one player or one position group you think is going to take that leap in 2022? 
leap time, leap time. I thought going into the spring it was going to be the offensive line, but I, that completely erased after probably the first week, or maybe the second week, or given the second week. But um, a, a positional group that I think will most likely take a leap, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's going to be linebacker. Um, you know, I, Randy okay. Shannon coming in, a first-year linebackers coach. Um, this is kind of a risk-it-for-a-biscuit kind of dealio here. I'm relying a lot on Tatum Bethune with his experience and his tackle machine and his tenacity and, you know, also good good guy with some hands and good take, takeaways. I'm, I'm relying a lot on that UCF transfer linebacker, and I'm relying a lot on Kalen Deloach here too, I'll be honest with you. And I'm relying on DJ Lundy who looked really – looked a lot better in coverage during the spring. And that's something that I know Adam Fuller, along with Mike Bell talked about that they, out of that spring, they liked how he was and, and how he moved. Still got to work on his body some more. I think that's um, what coach, coach Fuller said, you know, still working on that body and, and trimming down some extra weight, but for what he was and how he was looking throughout the practices, his, his coverage got a lot, a lot better. I still kind of have some question marks um, uh, for, you know, Stephen Dix Jr. I'm, you know, kind of still question marks about Amari Gaynor. And it's more of kind of figuring out where you're going to use him. I wish they'd use him more and pass rush um, and then kind of going down more near the line for him because he's a tweener kind of guy. You got to figure out where you want to put him. Um, you know, he's had his, he's had his ups and a lot of just more inconsistencies for Gaynor. And so I think those are some question marks there, but I think you like your, your, your starting guys there. And I think if you're going to see it, the side of the ball on defense, at least to kind of have more of a better swing than they did last year, I think it's going to be that linebacker room. If I'm going to say one, because practically, you know, Kalen Deloach might have been the most shocking development dude that exploded for Florida State's defense last year and much needed, much needed. And going into his true year two as being a starter will be really fun to watch. I'm a little disappointed, I got to say, Logan. You know, I was hoping you'd come on here tell me, Ben, I think you're a genius. You know, Akeem Dent is going to take that leap in 2022. He's that guy. But, you know, I understand you don't want to steal other people's work. You know, that's not what uh, either of us do. Nope, <laughs> but, no, we don't want to do that. But uh, I do think Akeem Dunn is going to take a giant leap in 2022. Um, but he's not who I have earmarked for this. What I'm looking at in terms of improvement from last season especially, and I look particularly at the beginning of last season – you said the offensive line was a little underwhelming uh, in the spring, but I got to be honest, Logan, given where they're coming from, I think this is going to be the biggest improvement of any group they have in 2022. They're going to take the leap in the sense that, you know, where they were last year to where they're going to be at the beginning of, of next year, I think it's going to be massively felt because not only was this the worst offensive line in the ACC this is one of the worst offensive lines in college football. They ranked, I believe, 120th out of like 130 Division One teams in terms of uh, just uh, offensive line, uh, run blocking grade, uh, pass blocking grade, uh, grading out overall with PFF system. But also, if you just look at uh, the consistency of that group, Logan, this was by far the most inconsistent group where – the offensive line needs that consistency more than any other room, right? We saw for the first six games, 
last season, they were just dealing with massive injuries. I think there was only over that, over that period, they only had the same starting offensive lines in consecutive weeks once. So this is a team that is dealing with constant turnover at the offensive line position, moving guys around to other positions because one guy goes down here, you need a guy to fill in there. That guy gets hurt. You need someone to fill in for him. And then, oh, what do you do about the position he was at before? They, they were just dealing with so much every single week. I, that bad luck is not going to happen again this season. And I don't think this room is going to be – you know, world beaters, you know, I don't, I don't think there's going to be one of the better offensive lines in the ACC, but I think what we will see out of them and I think fans will notice, especially is that they'll be able to hold their own in a better way to where they can support Jordan Travis. To me, that was the issue last season is they did not have the pass protection skills nor the consistency to be able to uh, pass block in the right way for Jordan Travis to be able to create the opportunities for him to be the playmaker that we know he is. Right. So given all the inconsistency they had given all the ups or really just all the towns that they had last season, bringing in bless Harris, bringing in Hayden Lyles, bringing in Dimitri Emmanuel. Look, this group, they're not going to be producing like tons of NFL offensive linemen, but this will be a very, very solid group where, Last season, this was the Achilles heel for Florida State, right? Uh, they were not only were they bad, but they were extremely unlucky at this position last season with injuries. So, given you know, I'm giving them a little bit of injury luck. I'm, I'm projecting forward a little bit, but I, I think if things stand the way they are, and you know, they bring in some of those uh, young offensive linemen over the summer too, like uh, Julian Armella. Um, this should be the biggest difference in terms of a group improving from, from last year to next year. Yeah. I think it's going to come down to health. And I would, I, I liked what we saw from the starting group. I think there's just a few question marks and it's hard to tell yeah. too, because God, is this Florida state defensive line really just going to be causing havoc all throughout the year, which I have a feeling they are. Yeah. And that should make this offensive line better. You love having those kind of battles, definitely in the trenches to help one of those sides get better. And that's the side offensive line that's going to continue to have to improve under Coach Atkins. And, you know, they're still, like you just said, they're still looking at guys, even after grabbing Dimitri Mandel, they're still looking at grabbing Bless Harris. They're still, like, you're maybe about to have an official visit from South Carolina transfer, too. So you're you're still in the market for some linemen. You know, you're looking also at a Juco offensive line. So they're not – not entirely maybe pleased there and it might just be for depth reasons, but I don't think it's really bad. I think they're still trying to figure out who maybe their starting group may be. And there might be some moves around there too. I think it's, I think that's what coach Atkins and Florida state are doing that offensive line. It's just, I think there's, there's gotta be health and you had mentioned it earlier. They went down a lot last year. You're putting pieces together out of nowhere on road games. And that's just something that, you just can't friggin' do. I mean, that's something that you got guys playing positions they never had on the road, and yeah. it's just it's just a recipe for friggin' disaster. So um, if they can they can fix that, and there's a reason why they're bringing in this big gigantic class of offensive linemen. We got to see Quashon Sapp on Saturday, his size. We got to see Julian Armella, who looks really really good and Oof. in shape. I mean, whew, he does. He's definitely impressive. And he's good to see Kanaya Charlton trimming down also there. And then you're hoping to hope, you know, see Antavius Woody here 
and about a week or so, um, a little over a week in Tallahassee. So you're building this big old offensive line class. Um, you're just – you're hoping – and you also had Dr. Richardson, who I think had a really good – pretty decent spring for a true freshman who I thought was really impressive. We saw a lot of love from the coaching staff and coach Atkins for a lot of those reps and those, and those battles. So there's definitely some, some optimism that there'll be a swing for next season for them. Yeah. And I think, I think you mentioned, like you said, the depth will be a lot better for this group, but they do just have to stay healthier, right? It, It is a matter of injury luck and things going your way in terms of, you know, we kind of just expect injuries at this point, right? But it's where you get injured. It's who are those next guys up. And I feel like that's what Alex Atkins has done such a great job of, especially in the transfer portal, is addressing, you know, if we are going to lose someone here, we need to have that replacement ready, someone who can come and play right away, who is experienced at that position before guys like Emmanuel, guys like Bless Harris, um, And I think Bless Harris is going to be the starting right tackle. I really think he's going to be very good in that position too. But they've, I wouldn't say they're completely too deep yet at every spot, but they're comfortable enough where they have eight, maybe nine guys who, you know, they can put in at different spots who they can figure out different situations for. And to me, Logan, biggest part about this is Alex Atkins. I just trust Alex Atkins. I think he's done a fantastic job recruiting and I love watching him interact with his players in practice. I think he's a fantastic coach who I would want to play for. And I think he's going to implement that this season. I think he's, we're going to see, you know, the work that he's put in recently pay off. And, and you know, where is this Florida State offensive line room was so down for a year after year after year after Jimbo Fisher left. Um, I think they're heading in the right direction. And they're going to be very, very good in the future. And hopefully back to – where they were a decade ago, right? I think Alex Atkins is doing a really good job moving towards that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess for me, you know, I, I like some of the pieces they've brought in. I also think part of this, you know, luck just has to go your way, obviously. Uh, but also, Alex Atkins, I trust him. And I think he is that dude. And I think he's one of the most important coaches on this staff. And, uh, I think what he's been doing is really going to pay off this season. Yeah. The future is definitely bright for that offensive line. And I'd like to, I'd like to see that improve. Everybody's just got to stay healthy though. And I don't think too, with Caden Lyles coming in, that fixes any problems that you might've had at the center spot from what we watched in the spring. Wasn't too impressed from, from him. I don't think Lyles, if, you know, I think it's big conditioning summer for him. Yeah. I I think we got to go to the stadium. We got to go into Dope. We're going to go do some conditioning. He's not in trouble or anything. Storms, you know, they're not out there, uh, you know, having to you know, hurt him. But they're going to have to hurt him a little bit because I don't think he was going to make it through a full, uh, you know, four quarters, you know, maybe maybe two quarters. He just didn't look like he was in shape. I don't think that, you know, he was going to come in and immediately understand the system. You're hoping that throughout these next – starting after that spring, now all the way to August, whenever we get into camp or late July, whichever that is um, – that he is able to, you know, he's worked on his body, he can play well and compete with Maurice Smith. You'd like to have a competition there, but right now I think Maurice Smith has that that position on lockdown, Absolutely. and we'll see if that changes. So that's really the last thing for me on offensive line is, is watching and seeing it. Can, can Lyles compete with Maurice Smith for that center spot? Um, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're all heading into spring thinking that was, oh, wow, Maurice is going to get a year off of this, right. and uh, Lyles is going to come in. Nah, that's not the case anymore. It's, it's Maurice's job to lose 
and I'd love to see a comp- competition come out of it, but he's got to, he's got to get better shape. Yeah. And I would say that is the biggest worry for me right now. That's center position because I don't think they have the depth that they need there. You mentioned Caden Lyles. He was just super underwhelming this spring and he's got to prove it in the fall. But, you know, I think there's also reason to believe he'll have that opportunity to improve in the fall because it is such a tough transition coming to a new system with new verbiage. That's something completely different from what you were doing before. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in that. But I will say, even when we saw him, Logan, in that spring game atmosphere, especially going back and watching some of that film, he just didn't win the reps he needed to win. You know, he's not winning against the players he needs to win against. And I think that was a really disappointing part. But in terms of the rest of the room, I don't think there were really many disappointments, if not any. I I think what we saw from the rest of that room is an improved, more versatile room, which is the key for Florida State this season. They just don't – they just can't be in the situation they were last season where, you know, they just go down with some offensive linemen and and then you got to put – Push, put one guy at a position where he has no experience and, you know, another guy goes down, then you have to figure something up. Like, like, I don't think they'll be in as dire straits as they were last season. So that's what really gives me, I would say, the most optimism for this group. I agree, too. I feel like they got a little bit more, hopefully, depth back there for the transfers coming in with the experience. So you kind of know where you can plug, plug and play. So if you're on the road again, you can not have to put someone that's, maybe never played at the center position to have to go over there and play over there at guard. You know, you can, uh, you can kind of know what you're working with if you were to get to that spot, because you've added in those guys now. And, you know, you've got some guys too that can play two different positions if need be. You just hope you don't have to get to that way, but it's all going to have to come down to health and coach storms and what he does with some of these guys and conditioning and also put on some size, like a guy like Marie Smith. So, um, you know, Coach Storms and Coach Atkins, those guys got a busy, busy off season ahead and what they want to do and figure out where some of these pieces go and build in some muscle and also maybe showing off some fat and and hopefully uh, conditioning some of these guys. Um, and I think that's where we're going to end today, Logan. This was a really great discussion that we had. I want to encourage everyone to go check out live stream you'll be doing later tonight 7 30 eastern time uh where's that going to be logan just so everyone knows yeah that'll be on our page just Noel game day um we'll be having uh 1999 uh national uh champion with us uh on the show which i'm looking forward to i don't know if this is cut off or not yeah you're cut, cut off, off right now you're cut Oops, off there right we now. go there we go it's tommy polly who's a 1999 1999 national champion uh, linebacker. He went off to the NFL too. So uh, it'll be interesting to get his take on a little bit of uh, maybe Florida six defense time with Mickey Andrews and such. So that'll be on Noel game day. We'll be doing that at seven 30 tonight. We're trying to squeeze it in a little bit before the lightning game. I know everybody's going to shut the frigging thing off right away. Once, <laughs> once that lightning game comes on, but looking forward to having a discussion there. And we'll talk some more about the big recruiting weekend that happened this past weekend. And the one ahead with all these official visitors on the quarterback side. So it's going to be fun stuff. And uh, just for everyone watching, we'll be back again next week on Thursday uh we'll have some more interesting discussions i'm sure there'll be more to talk about after this weekend with all the quarterback visits so i encourage everyone go check out what uh logan's doing over at Noel game day make sure you're reading all the stuff they're putting out as well check out tomahawk nation the link is below for both those the link to both 
my Twitter and Logan's Twitter are in the are in the description. Uh, so if you want to find out more about what we're doing, see more Florida State content, read more good stuff, uh, you can go check that out there. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for me today, Logan. I look forward to seeing everyone back again, uh, hopefully around this time next week. We're shooting for Thursdays in the afternoons to do this show live. Um, so, Logan, thanks for coming on, man, and I look forward to the next one we'll be doing. Absolutely, Ben. Looking forward to next week. Everybody hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to Ben's account so then you get notified every time we go live. I'm looking forward to talking yeah. some more FSU heading into the season. And uh, for everyone listening on audio, make sure you jump over to YouTube. Type in Ben Myerson Football. You can check it out, check us out over there. We'll be doing a lot more stuff live as well. So we like to dig into the comments, you know, interact with the people. And, hey, I know Tommy's going to be there because he just told me he is. So make sure you're there too. Uh, but that'll be it for us today. Thank you so much for watching and listening. However, you're consuming this. Uh, just uh, looking forward to the next listen, watch. Uh, however you're going to consume this. Uh, have a good one.